Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. Uh, I'm delighted today to be joined by Paul and David Jameson. Uh, Paul is an entrepreneur uh, and family man who was uh, diagnosed with uh, motor neuron disease in 2017 uh, and given less than two years to live. And yet he's still here. And uh, instead of giving up, giving up on life, uh, Paul's decided to take life on uh, and uh, since said yes to every opportunity uh, and raised over £200,000 for MND uh, research, uh, which is also called ALS in the US, United States. Um, uh, Paul knocked up a bucket list and has been all around the world, uh, including playing tennis on the top of Kil Mount Kilimanjaro, uh, duetting opera uh, on one of London's biggest stages. And with his son, uh, David and, and David's pal, Ben, has co-founded Aura, which is a business designed to help people address their anxieties about dying and plan ahead with their families for their death. Um, David and Paul, thanks for joining me today and welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here, David. Thank you very much for having us. Very, you're very welcome. Very welcome. Really looking forward to getting into into a good conversation. Um, and Paul, you know, you've decided to confront your uh, mortality, and in the words of uh, of Withnell and I, which is one of my favourite films, uh, run at it shouting. Um, and yet, your MND means uh, you're unable to talk. So, um, how's this podcast interview uh, going to work? Hello, David. Thank you for asking me on your podcast. I'm lucky that modern technology has enabled me to pre-record very clear responses to your questions. This is using text-to-speech software. I did in fact bank my voice when I could speak with the intention of being able to recreate my voice when I lost it. I had to record over 1000 phrases. Unfortunately, my banked voice is not as clear as this professional voice I'm currently using. However, I'm currently working with Google and another company called Acapella to recreate my voice almost perfectly as this technology improves. Okay, well that's amazing. Well, it's brilliant that you've uh, you've got your voice uh, banked, and uh, and yeah, I hope it all goes well with uh, with getting the the, the final production uh, master uh, for it. So uh, your book uh, very much alive. Um, I've read and I've got a I've got a copy. Uh, right here um and uh and i'm just really interested in in trying to understand you know what drove you to to write this book the one overarching reason why i wrote this book is to do with my father who died when i was 14. i have always regretted that i never really knew the real him both good and not so good what sort of person was he what made him tick what could i have learned from him i hope my book will be a lasting legacy for my children and future generations, as well as a good read for those who just want a good, uplifting, and hopefully inspiring read. Well, it certainly is that, and I I, I love the way it starts with uh, with a with a 
with with a very amu amusing tale that kind of shines the light on on you and your life. Uh, and uh, it's obviously quite sad as well, quite a sad tale. But um, but it's uh, it's it's very very funny. So I highly recommend it. Um, and um, and it's a it's a brilliant legacy to leave. One thing that we did was um, when when we had our kids, we uh, we we got. We asked my parents to um, to fill in these books. So, dear dear granddad and dear dear grandma, and you can kind of fill these things in. And it's, it's from a, a journal of a lifetime, and it's just a brilliant thing to do. Sadly, I've not got around to doing that yet, mm -hmm. uh, but I really, really must. I really, really must because because uh, it is great to leave to leave that that legacy and leave that story. And uh, and in the book, you uh, you make a statement which is uh, that we all have a terminal illness from the day we're born uh, it's called life um so i love that i love that as a as a as a statement um you also say that your diagnosis has taught you how to live um and not how to die uh, in what way it's made me realize that your time on this planet is or can be very short and you have to get on with all those things that you planned one day to do it pains me when i hear people say i'll do this when i retire or one day I'll do that, or, before I die I must do this. Just do it, and make the most of every day. Life is not a rehearsal. I try and say, yes, to everything I'm invited, or asked to do, not look for reasons to say no. This is one of my cornerstone beliefs, on how to get more out of life, and living. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. And, and so David, how, how do you feel about all this? Wow, it's a big, um, big question. I've uh, obviously felt a lot of things over a very large period of time. Um, a lot of, um, you know, tough stuff. Clearly, um, as 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 comes with this um, this journey, but also uh, so much positive stuff um, that's that's kind of come off the back of it. Um, and you know, as a family, I'd say one of our kind of great attributes, really, I guess, is looking at life positively. Um, Paul's mentality around that is very kind of contagious. And um, I guess what we've always strived to do as a family is always take the positives out of it um, and, and, and to create things, which I think we've kind of really done. Um, I, I guess the, the story um, kind of starts and becomes interesting from a personal level when um, when my dad was kind of diagnosed and actually, you know, um, Paul's very lucky to have a GP wife, my mum, Jess, um, who, who suspected it um, before the time came. Um, she said, oh, he's, he's kind of slurring his words. And I said, no, 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 he's, he's pissed. He always slurs his words. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, you know, mother's doctor's instinct, obviously, um, obviously was right in that occasion, um, unfortunately. Um, and uh, when, when we were kind of told and when we kind of um, brought back um, to my parents' house uh, to kind of be told, uh, I, I definitely suspected something and something was up because I knew my sisters were kind of um, unexpectedly being, being called back as well, mm. um, kind of messaged them. And my mum had let slip to one of them that they, they, they had a hospital appointment today. And I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't sounding good. Um, but um you know, they told us and we actually, uh, I think that that night really set the tone for the, the years to come, really, because um, we had one of the best nights ever. Um, the bottles of wine were in, were free flowing and um, we were all up on the table dancing and hugging. And um, as I say, really kind of setting the tone um, for, for how we were going to tackle it, how we were going to approach it, how my dad, Paul, was going to tackle it and approach it. 
um and um and, and yeah i mean there's there's been so many as 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 i say um positive uh stories and experiences uh from their since because mm. it's hard to imagine how um hearing hearing news like that and um i mean obviously having that fantastic night together as a family is amazing but then following on following on from that then it's about working with the reality of the situation that you're presented with so how have you worked through that as a as a as a family and, and as, a, as an individual yeah and it, it obviously doesn't just hit all at once you know it hits in in different ways over a number of years um and different kind of realities set in different things you think about different things you think that they're going to miss that you're going to miss different opportunities that you're going to miss um and i guess the grief manifests itself in in so many different kind of ways um but again it's a perspective thing it's a mentality thing i mean to be honest it was it was almost better in the first couple of years than it ever has been because um Paul wasn't he was he was clearly progressing relatively slowly yes things were new realities were setting in for him but we were you know uh, traveling and doing all these kind of challenges and um just you know there was a real mentality shift where Paul just suddenly you know having not known how long he was going to have just went into overdrive I want to do everything I can and had loads of amazing family holidays and um obviously yeah did uh climb mount kilimanjaro and played tennis at the top and broke a world record and um we just kind of crammed so much stuff into such a short period of time and i always joke that christmas is always great we've had about five or six last christmases now <laughs> <laughs> so every single one we, we tend to go you know either on holiday or, or or just have an extra um you know uh happy fun time and um i guess just the levels of appreciation for each other have, have all gone up a lot as well and not taking each other for granted and um you know without trying to be too cliche with it um and the whole live every day like your last thing it's it's not necessarily about that it's just about appreciating each other more because you know you have a slightly um more acute um understanding or realization that you know time is finite and make the most of it absolutely and yeah and uh, when you think about people and um, and what people get out of life uh you kind of say okay th there's lots of reasons why people don't get what they want to get out of their lives mm. um but um when it comes down to it when i think about that kind of thing it sort of makes me wonder well there's lots of different reasons lots of different things out in the environment other people all that sort of stuff that gets in the way but actually is it that you as an individual are settling for less than you deserve and um it's quite easy to accept isn't it accept mm. circumstances even quite trivial things or you know really major experiences like what you're going through but if you can just change that mentality and say look i'm I, i'm i'm worth it i deserve this day i'm not going to mm. settle for less in this day um that's a great message for all of us to to carry forward no matter what our circumstances 100 percent agree with you david absolutely so, Paul, you tell um, great stories, and the book is evidence of that, um, and um, act on instinct. I think you're quite humble about your uh, your achievements as an entrepreneur and, um, and as a family man. Dave seems all right. He seems to have turned out all right. Uh, so, uh, so, um, so, yeah, so... And your seemingly rapid progress through the stages of grief uh, following your diagnosis to decide to live your fullest life um, is also... I think quite remarkable. So where does this uh, spirit and, uh, and character come from? That's a good question. I think both my parents had the same zest for life, 
their glasses were always half full. I've had to look for coping mechanisms for my illness. One of them is to stay as busy as I can, which I manage to do most days, with the various projects I have on the go, mainly MND fundraising projects. Also, my new business, Aura, keeps me busy, and mentally strong. This keeps me from thinking about my condition. I see so many people with MND, who just give up on life, and just wait to die. It's very sad. One of my favorite sayings is, if you have a heartbeat, there's still time for your dreams. I still have plenty of dreams which I plan to pursue. I want to do more challenges. So far on the agenda, next year, is quad biking in Portugal, and disabled paragliding, in Greece. I want to continue to see Aura flourish, and become a business with a genuine social purpose, helping many people, towards end of life. I will continue the M&D fundraising journey, and hopefully be around when better drugs, or a cure, for M&D become a reality. I also dream about being at my children's weddings, and having grandchildren. Yeah, they're great, they're great dreams, <laughs> great dreams to have. Yeah, exactly. So, so Dave, you got any plans or? Uh... Uh, <laughs> maybe the uh, the seeds of some. We'll see. <laughs> okay, okay. I won't, I won't, I won't call you on that. No, 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 no. Um, no, well, that, but that's that's amazing. And um, and yeah, uh, paragliding. Do you know what? I I've, I've started to try and do a little bit of um, uh, sort of visioning to try and do a bit of a daily practice to kind of work on my mind and uh, and then writing things down. They say they say just kind of let it flow. I actually wrote down skydiving, which is not something I've ever wanted to do. Uh, but um, but yeah, that, that's apparently I've got to do it now, right? Because you've got a carpe diem. So there you go. I've written it down, so it's got to happen. But um, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, um, your bucket list is 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 really really uh, impressive, Paul. You know, uh, three three mountains, um, World Cups, and whatnot. You know, it's uh, it's been 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 brilliant. All the things that you've done. But you know, some people might be thinking, well, it's it's all right for you to be able to do all these things. You've got the money, and um, as you say, you've been you've been lucky, but you've made choices and um, and taken risks to put yourself in this position. You know, what what advice would you give to somebody who, um, you know, to put themselves in the best possible uh, position in case something like this um, happens to them? Firstly, I'm not a wealthy person. Comfortable, maybe. But when you get diagnosed with a terminal illness, money becomes less relevant. I had some savings, for a rainy day. Well this was my rainy day. I cashed in my pension, as I assumed I wouldn't be needing that. And I had a payout, from a critical illness policy. So I found a way to afford to do most things I wanted. I threw caution to the wind. Every time I went somewhere, I told my children, I was going on a, ski, trip. Ski standing for, spending the kid's inheritance. <laughs> At first, they found it amusing. As the trips mounted up, they got distinctly worried. You are joking. Of me. course, everyone has a budget, and financial constraints, but there is so much you can do, that costs very little. Just go and do it. Some of my best trips, and adventures were not expensive. You mustn't fool yourself, that you'll live forever. Roughly, 80,000 people under the age of 65 die in the UK each year, and of those, around 25% will be sudden. Without warning, yeah. And um, and it also, it's amazing how many uh, people, you know, work work really hard, 
and then retire and then die really soon after retirement as well. And, um, you know, what you say about the kind of, um, uh, you know, keeping your, keeping your mind active and focused on, on the business and that bringing energy, um, is, uh, is, is a really, you know, important message. Um, and, um, Dave, you don't seem too sad about the, uh, the inheritance being spent. Oh no, for sure. You should just, you know, all of it. I'll just leave me penniless, father. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Paul, you've had, um, you've had, uh, support from some, uh, celebs, you know, the likes of, uh, Andy Murray, um, and you've been out, um, having a few, uh, jars with the uh, England football team as well. Um, how did you get, um, so much celebrity interest and so many, uh, column inches, uh, for your, for your work? How do you, how do you build a network? You build a network over many years, for me this has been through business, and sport. I've always believed in making as many friends as possible, and making an effort with them, accepting invites, supporting them, and staying in touch. I'm not a fan of social media, but I do make an effort with responding quickly, to emails and texts. And my usual, saying yes to everything. My Andy Murray connection, is through his father-in-law who I used to play golf with. The private party with the England team, was just a question of being at the right place, at the right time. I don't go out of my way to get celebrity interest, but it happens from time to time. I met up with Doddy Weir once, a giant of a man in many ways. I was very affected by the news of his death. We were both diagnosed with M&D in the same month, and he's 10 years my junior. Yeah, and that's quite raw now, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, the memorial service... Uh 19th of December uh, and um, yeah and, and there's recently been uh, announcements um, you know of of funding for the MND, MND research being um, being released by the UK government and the uh, Doddy Weir campaign um, my name's Doddy dot uh, co dot UK um, there, there's, there's, a, there's a great campaign there is, isn't there to, to, to raise funds and awareness of I mean the S is a, is a five which was his uh, shirt number uh, so yeah so uh, my name five Doddy dot co dot UK um, and uh, and yeah it's it's great to, to to see some movement now on that on that government commitment to to, to release that funding for for research so um so are you, are you uh are you in and around that dave with uh with the work that you're doing now yeah i mean we've we've done um a lot of fundraising for uh the motor neuron disease association um i mean the um the biggest one we did was obviously climbing mount kilimanjaro and um breaking that unofficial world record still a little bit bitter it didn't go in the book mm. uh, won't get into that now um <laughs> but we raised um about 100 pounds there for the nmd association um and uh, we've as we say got an incredible network of people around us family who have raised money friends who have raised money and um, friends of the family and everything so um, a lot of money has been raised. Um, I don't know if it's come up or it's going to come up, but Paul did actually uh, get a British Empire medal um, from the Royal Family for his services to charity. Um, so that was obviously really nice uh, recognition for him for, for all that as well. Absolutely. And so the uh, the, the, the 50 million uh, pledge then, uh, do you know how that's going to be uh, invested and, and, and what outcomes they're looking to get from that that research? Um, 
I mean, yeah, and I'm I'm slightly reading between the lines here, and I don't have a um, a detailed uh, explanation of that. But I mean, at the top of everyone's minds, um, at the forefront of that is, um, as Paul said in the chat, there to accelerate a cure. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing how a disease that affects so many people um, still doesn't have a definitive cure. Um, it's obviously not through lack of trying. Um, a lot of very dedicated people doing it. I think Paul would be the first to say, you know, in the past, perhaps it has been underfunded and um, maybe falls beneath that threshold of the amount of people that it needs to affect before it reaches that critical mass of funding. Obviously, there was the the ice bucket challenge, which everyone will have heard of a couple of years ago, which brought a lot of money in and actually led to some big advancements that, you know, whether or not those helped Paul, I don't know exactly. But um, yeah, cl clearly that's the thing that, that everyone wants and is looking for. And the medicine has been great in slowing Paul's illness down. Again, the fact that he got in that early and my mum kind of noticed it so early um, definitely kind of helped and everything. Um, but there's no doubt that everyone just wants to find a cure and something that's going to rid people of this horrible disease. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so Dave, then have you, have you got a bucket list? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess first thing on my bucket list is to go drinking with the England football team again, <laughs> uh, but this time not pass out because I was so pissed within the first 20 minutes. It was, uh, as Paul said, it was a chance meeting and um, it had been a long day out in uh, Latvia um, and we weren't expecting to bump into them and I was on my last legs quite literally. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is naturally something I've thought about a lot more since Paul's illness maybe both consciously subconsciously um there's the more kind of personal indulgent stuff more that you might typically associate with a bucket list um you know traveling the world i haven't been to you know many places i'd absolutely love to go to um i guess going a little bit deeper than that and something that pulls really um his mentality is kind of soaked into mine. I think a lot is um, having a bit more of an emotional bucket list as well. Um, more of a, a bucket list around, um, you know, relate. I think that's always been there in the back of my mind in terms of like relationships and family. Um, having a, a family as amazing as Paul's son is in particular as good as Paul's would be brilliant. <laughs> um, no, and having meaningful relationships and um, personal growth is very important to me. Um, and I think that, what's happened my dad has has inspired and pushed a lot of um personal growth i hope um i don't you know personally see who i am as a, a fixed state and i have ambitions over um you know who i aspire to be and how i aspire to be to kind of other people and everything and um i always want to kind of grow in that sense mm. um and then and then also uh, around around work as well i think i would like to think i always lived life to the full and kind of lived largely in the moment before this but in a weird way this is um really focused my mind in that you know we have a certain amount of um time to live and i would love to you know be as successful work-wise as my dad has been um and um you know the, the work and everything we've been doing with aura um has been going kind of really well and everything and um it's got, it's got me a lot more kind of focused on, on on achieving what i want to achieve um as soon as possible because life's short and i'd rather do that early and be able to keep enjoying life as i go through yeah yeah have you ever um uh, looked at the wheel of life 
Uh, I can't say I have, David. I'd love to hear more about it. It might jog my memory, though. Well, it's a, uh, it's just, it's just a, it's a, one of these things. Draw a circle, and there's kind of eight key parts of life: so work, money, relationships, love, uh, leisure, mm. health, all of that sort of stuff. And and giving yourself a, it's almost like a circle, and you can, you can, you know, and you draw draw lines to the different points. And um, there's, um, give it a score out of score out of ten. Tens on the edge of the circle, noughts on, on in the middle with your level of satisfaction with that part of your life. Um, and if you give yourself a score out of satisfaction score out of ten, you can see well where is it that that I need to focus on now to to because the ideal obviously is you get to like ten out of ten on everything in in, in your life. But so often people uh find themselves being quite successful and fulfilled in some parts of mm. life and then and then less so in others and 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 a and a complete life is a full life isn't it so um mm. so it's really interesting to hear you say yeah that whole thing about relationships is um is is a kind of a, or that emotional bucket list is is mm. as, as important as all the the stuff and the experiences and and all of those mm. kind of things so no, so your your relationship then with your um your mum and, and and your sisters um so we mentioned mum jess but your sisters joe and rosie and how, how how has that changed in the last few years yeah i mean there's absolutely no doubt in my mind we've all become a lot more close since um you know more anecdotally you know we tell each other we love each other so much so much more um I think maybe it's an age thing, maybe it's um, to do with this, but definitely less arguments with my sisters. And, um, you know, they're, they're, my, my sisters are two of my best friends in the world and everything, and I have a great relationship with my mum and everything as well. And I think it's quite simple, really. It is that underlying kind of not wanting to take them for granted um, in the same way that we don't with, with Paul now. Um, you know, just because Paul's got a terminal illness, you know, that obviously is going to mean you want to make the most of their time. But I think that also transmits as well to each other um, where we're just trying to appreciate each other's company more. And um, I definitely feel more close with all of them. Um, and it's really kind of united and, and kind of bonded us the, the whole kind of experience as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, not taking things for granted is mm. again, another big lesson and um, something that Paul talks about um which is uh, which is which is not 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 wasting your time complaining, you know. I mean, um, and uh, and so Paul, you know, from a from a a day to day basis, how are you, how are you now? What what's a typical day like like in in the life of Paul Jameson? I do have a typical day and routine. It always starts with taking the dogs for a short walk with my all terrain walker. I have to stay mobile and keep my legs moving otherwise they stiffen up quite quickly. In the words of Doddy Weir, if you don't use it, you lose it. After breakfast, I head for my man cave, and online. When you cannot speak, your comfort zone, is with technology which aids communication. I can still type, albeit slowly, and one-fingered. It's a source of sadness, and regret that I cannot make small talk with my wife, and family. We have to converse through WhatsApp, and through a text-to-speech app, on my phone. But needs must? I usually have three or four Zoom meetings a day, mainly to do with Aura, the end-of-life planning website I set up. Or to do with the fundraising projects I'm involved in, or to do with promoting my book. I'm very conscious of the need to exercise, and stay mobile. I try and get out with the dogs, at least twice a day. 
I have a personal trainer who comes twice a week, to kick some life into my legs. Also a sports masseur, who uses a massage gun, to stimulate the leg muscles. I usually down tools at 6, have supper, then into my recliner to watch TV. My new downstairs wet room is just off our TV room, so not far to stumble into bed. Yeah, and um, that's really fascinating to hear about your routine. I mean, routine um, is, is again, sounds like something which is um, <clears throat> quite you know, constraining and, and, and restrictive, but actually routines bring a lot to life, don't they? Because they enable you to to build those sort of good habits and um, and, and help you to, um, you know, maintain health where you can. And uh, and so no matter what where you are um, and what your situation, routines are, um, are, are really, 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 really crucial, I think. And um, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I suppose also the other thing about it is um, is it's important to be thankful for the for the small things, isn't it? I mean, there's this uh, that Kurt Vonnegut um, quote: uh, "Enjoy the little things in life, because one day you'll look back and realise they were the big things." Um, and um, so, yeah, it's uh, that's, that's really powerful. And um, I think we'd all like a sports masseur. Uh, so uh, that's something that's something I need to put on my on my bucket list. So um, so yeah. So it's but it sounds like your days are, are, are challenging though. Though Paul, have you ever uh, felt like giving up? Giving up is just not in my DNA. The fun and challenge for me is to find ways and coping mechanisms to stay strong. Of course, I have low days, and I know life is going to get a lot harder. I look at what I can still do, which is a lot, not at what I can't. I never complain, that just creates a negative mindset, for all concerned. I smile, and laugh as much as possible, especially when I have my frequent tumbles. I keep myself very busy, and my mind engaged as much as I can. I go out and about as much as possible, disabled facilities are generally very good in this country, contrary to what the vocal minority, would have you believe. In short, I feel very blessed, to have been given this extra time, which has taught me how to live, yeah, and uh, being thankful in each day uh, is is a real energizer in itself, isn't it? And um, and there are some. Uh, I mean, you're you're looking good today. I think, uh, but there are some the old money makers intact today by the looks of it. But uh, but there are some great great shots of some of your, your some evidence of some of your tumbles in 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 the book. And um, and yeah, uh, picking yourself up and um, and and moving things uh, moving things forward is is so key. Um, and, uh, yeah, the whole thing about, um, uh, looking at what you can do rather than what you can't do is again, something that I think can apply to everybody. And sometimes mentally and emotionally, when I start to, to, when I, when I realize that if, for example, I've got angry about a situation or, or, or got upset about something, it's because I've allowed myself on, on to focus on what I don't want to happen. And, and and in doing that, I've got emotional and I've therefore lost sight of what I actually do want to happen. And if I'd have stayed focused on what I do want to happen, um, then maybe I'd have ha there'd have been a different outcome and I wouldn't have got myself into an argument or or, or back myself into a corner or, or, or made a wrong decision, you know. So um, a lot of this, you know, is in and around mental health and, and well-being. And in, in your book, you... You touch on wanting to help people with uh, with mental health uh, challenges. 
Um, I suppose, um, you know, rock bottom for people uh, who are suffering is is taking the decision to numb the pain with 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 booze or or with drugs or or, or ultimately to, to consider taking their own own life. Um, what's your message to people who might be feeling like that right now? Uh, you know, and and to and to their loved ones who might be looking to support them. Mental health issues are something I struggle with, as the whole concept is so alien to me. However, I do appreciate how utterly devastating things like depression are. I can think of nothing worse. I guess, I just hope that some of my positivity, and approach to life rubs off on some people, and helps in some way. What I do think is important, is that people have choice, and control at end of life. I've a huge proponent of assisted dying, or euthanasia, as some people know it. The fact that over 300 disabled people each year, resort to the ignominy of suicide, appalls me. What a terrible way to go, especially after having had the pain, and burden, of disability. I hope I see the day, when the assisted suicide bill, currently going through Parliament, becomes law. I believe this will be within the next three years. And in your book, you talk about um, the importance of, of having a purpose uh, in life. Um, did you have a purpose uh, before your diagnosis, and, um, and what's your purpose now, and, and, and how has it changed? I feel everyone should find a passion in life, that will provide them, with a purpose to live better. This could be anything, a sport, recreation, hobby, charity, or voluntary work. Or just try and be better at something, get outside your comfort zone, and take some risks. You have to seek out the wonderful in life, it won't come to you. On the day I was diagnosed with MND, I asked my consultant how I could live longer. He said, Try and find a purpose to live. Now that I can do so little, due to my disability, I've had to look for other things in my life to give me purpose. Working on Aura is a massive part of what gives my life purpose, and meaning now. I want to help people, at the end of their lives. That said, I don't fundamentally believe life, itself, has a meaning. We're born, we live, we die. That's the circle of life. I don't believe in an afterlife, my heaven is here on earth. However, having a purpose in life, does help to give your life meaning. For so many, death and dying is very scary for them. It needn't be, if you talk about it, prepare for it, and most importantly plan how you want your life to be remembered, and what type of meaningful funeral you want. Yeah, and um, it, it is a challenging subject for lot, lots and lots of people. Um, uh, even conversations between uh, between me and my wife about about death and about things like wills and 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 all that kind of stuff they're difficult conversations and uh, um it's also difficult when when one person seemingly perhaps in a in a relationship feels more comfortable talking about it than than the other um so dave tell us about aura and 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 what you're seeking to do through aura yeah <clears throat> absolutely david so um I guess, as, as Paul's kind of touched upon, uh, at its core, it's about preparing people practically uh, and emotionally for end of life, um, both people's families um, and I guess the peace of mind um, that a family has in a build up someone, uh, someone dying. And also, of course, um, having everything laid out for them at the time, because obviously when you're grieving, um, it's so easy for these 
practical nightmares and and and, and shit storms to to get in the way of your grief. And grief is, you know, the most important process that is absolutely essential for um, processing the loss of a loved one. And actually, one of the most damaging things that can happen is other stuff gets in the way of your grief and can end up manifesting over um, a much more drawn out, painful kind of period than if you kind of let yourself kind of feel that. Um, and, and I guess it's it's not just for the people around you, but um, for the peace of mind that it can can give you, the person that will eventually die. <laughs> you will, we all do. Um, and and um, having the peace of mind that okay, things will be okay um, after I've gone um, from that practical perspective, but also. Uh, in terms of um, you know leaving your aura behind as well, leaving the um, putting leaving your your family in a good place, but also uh, kind of giving the best parts of you to other people um, in the form of memories, lessons, um, you know what made you you, and what other people can learn from, and that's a little bit higher up the train of the kind of more self-actualization kind of side of it but um it can definitely make you feel more comfortable um knowing that you've had some control over what life will be like afterwards and how you'll be remembered um and that you know the people fundamentally around you will be be okay and you've kind of done everything you can so i guess that's the the, the kind of part of the mentality behind it in terms of um what that actually looks like um it, it's um in kind of a couple of different forms and um, the key ones being um digital planning planning and legacy tools um practically what you want to leave behind uh, where things are kept um make your life loved ones lives easier um, and then emotionally you can create a life story a little bit like uh, you were saying earlier um where your family can also input memories and stories um as, as well so it's a collaborative thing um, and you can send time capsule messages to be sent in the future. Um, we also have uh, communities on, on Facebook where people can discuss end of life on a little bit more of a phil philosophical basis on something called death chat. And um, for people that are grieving, we have something called uh, grief chat as well. Um, and I, I guess the main endeavor we've been working very hard on at the moment is um, celebration of life funerals. Um, these are based off um, Paul's insight that he doesn't want um, a, a kind of traditional funeral. Um, he wants a kind of barbecue, booze, bad behavior, dancing, <laughs> all of this stuff. Um, ashes shot up um, in fireworks and everything. Um, <laughs> and um, we just saw this as a real kind of opportunity. We kind of realized that actually a lot more people do want this. Um, and um, so how that kind of looked is, um, is based off, I guess, kind of like a simple direct cremation. Um, and then um, having the kind of um, the, the headspace, I guess, then to um, facilitate a more meaningful celebration of life at a later date. Clearly, it's not for everyone. A lot of people like tradition, but I think more and more people now um, are going down this route of, um, of, of wanting to do something a little bit more meaningful to them mm. than you know, a crematorium or a church may kind of provide uh, certain people. Yeah, yeah. I guess lots, lots of people. Uh, well, I say lots of people. More, more, more people are kind of doing the kind of let, let's not be wearing black type thing. You know, mm. snazzy clothes and and or or, or a splash of colour or whatever. But I get mm. the impression that so often it's because um, people are guessing what 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 the person who's who's passed away That's would it. would prefer rather than mm. really really knowing. Mm. 
And uh, go on. Oh, no, I was just, sorry. I was just agreeing with you 100%. And that's why we place so much emphasis around pre-planning of funerals and, and funeral plans, because um, actually you hit the nail on the head. That was the biggest reason we found, like so many people want this. They don't end up getting it because they don't pre-plan. If your family is heavily grieving, the last thing they want to think about is some, you know, party or, or, or celebration of life they're thinking i just need this off my hands because i'm in a terrible place so if you can if you can pre-prepare it for them and then give them the space to, to process everything and then be in a good space to commemorate the life then that's going to be significantly more likely to happen mm. and i guess people kind of want to be uh, respectful as well so they kind of they, they kind of want to want to kind of they don't want to go over the top, so uh, there's a pop possibly a risk then of perhaps erring more towards the traditional. Mm, uh, even it, and, and they do say as well, don't they, that, that, that funerals are, are, are for the living rather than for the for the for the de for the dead. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, it's uh, it, the conversation is so important. Mm, no, hundred percent. I know it's a really interesting topic of conversation that who is the funeral for. I think that you know as long as. I think ultimately it should be the individual's dying's um, say on what they wanted. Um, but, you know, this is why the dialogue is so important because the family has to be happy with that the friends have to be happy with that. Um, and I think the answer is it's for both. Um, but, and the only way to find that, uh, that balance um, and that consensus is, is talking about it, is planning with it, which is why it's so important to talk about. And, and actually I think it can be a very positive dialogue to enter the conversation of death around um personally i don't think it's as scary as a conversation as how's my how's my assets being divided in a will or you know what's going to happen to this what's going to happen to that actually having a little thought about who you are and therefore how you would like to be remembered and how you'd like your life to be celebrated what music you want played at your funeral who's going to be there you know where do you want it all this kind of stuff i think is quite a nut like a positive way into the topic so um you know as as with everything we're, we're trying to approach it with more of a, a positive mindset um that's not uh you know um de degrade how obviously tough these times are and we obviously speak to people every day who are in a very tough position but again as with so many things in life just thinking about them early pre-planning them um can make things so much easier yeah yeah and again in your book paul there's uh it's really helpful to see how you've laid out your your wishes um and it's there's some there's some um very uh you know touching uh, and um uh yeah beautiful wishes in there but there's also that whole thing about celebration of life and um and, and that being a real real keen desire for you um and um and yeah it's it's a great example that people can look at to see Okay, what are the kind of things to think about, um, whether it's irreverent or or otherwise, uh, depending on on your preferences. So, um, so yeah. So, Dave, what what, um, what things should people know about um, the, the the sort of the the funeral uh, industry um, uh, uh, in terms of what choices they have? Because I think people just assume they've got to go down one route. But but mm. what should people be be thinking about, and and what questions should people be asking of, of the funeral industry? Yeah, really good question. I think one of the first things to say is, you know, there is a cost of living crisis at the moment. Um, a lot of people don't have the money to do a big, expensive um, funeral. So I guess the first thing to say is they don't have to be expensive. Um, you know, <clears throat> you can get a funeral, <clears throat> pardon me, for 
um, you know, under a thousand pounds in its basic form um, and, and then do whatever you want with that. And actually some people like going for a walk to spread the ashes. For some people, maybe it's a remembrance meal. Um, for some people, you know, go to the beach, you know, whatever it is, they don't have to be expensive. Um, kind of related to that concept is they don't have to be, I guess, rushed at the time. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to happen this kind of commemoration or remembrance doesn't have to happen um in the days and weeks after the death some people uh, a lot of people now are preferring to do something three four five six months later um it doesn't also have to be one day or event you can do different days you can do an annual event um and i guess just yeah don't don't pigeon hold yourself into something that doesn't feel comfortable no there are um you know other other options out there um and yeah i guess the final thing is yeah i've kind of touched on it already but just try and think about what their life was and how you'd like it to be reflected um because that is a better way of remembering something something that's kind of true to them and again for a lot of people that will be something more traditional but um it's just about understanding the choices that are out there mm -hmm. okay cool um so, Paul, part of your um, your mission with Aura is changing the conversation around death, um, and and particularly the fear of death uh, through uh, through planning with uh, with with purpose that, that that Dave has just described. So, um, and, and in your book, you talk about the fear of the unknown, you know, of saying the wrong thing um, or of, of being a burden, and 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 yet for lots of people, the fears that hold them back the most are, um, are the fear of failure. Or of judgment. So, how can uh, changing the conversation about death um, help people overcome these fears? Yes, we all have the fear of failure, or judgment, or saying the wrong thing. A change that's come over me, since my diagnosis, is that I say much more about what I think. It's the real me, and I want people to know the real me, not my alter ego persona. I no longer care what people think of me, I've had my time and I just want to be honest with everyone. Of course, I have no wish to offend people, but I think people appreciate honesty, discussion, and openness. I think this is generally a good life lesson. I genuinely have no fear, or anxiety about dying, because I talk about it so much, and do a lot of reading on the subject. I've prepared almost everything, for when I die, to help my family cope. I've created a legacy, by writing my life story on Aura, and by writing a book. I intend to die in peace. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the way we should all be aiming to go, for sure. Uh, and, and you talk about um, emotional uh, lability uh, in the book as well. Um, what is that, and, uh, and should everyone get more of that into, into their lives? Emotional lability is a common side effect of M&D, when you laugh or cry, involuntarily, often at inappropriate times. This can be highly embarrassing. Anything slightly emotional sets me off, or, something which tickles my fancy, often causes me to get uncontrollable giggles, or laughter, often for many minutes. Sometimes, I even cry, and laugh, at the same time. Even more embarrassing, as nobody knows what on earth is going on. Yes, I believe we should all express our emotions more. It's healthy, and nothing to be ashamed of. We must get away from our, stiff upper lip, mentality. On living with uh, 
MND. Uh, you quote Catherine Mannix, who says, uh, people are not limited so much by their illnesses as by their attitude to it. Your approach has been to refrain from complaining, and you say that um, everyone uh, with a life-threatening condition should take responsibility for finding the best ways to, to cope with it and to stay strong. And it strikes me that this should apply to everyone, uh, whether they know they have a critical illness or not. So what advice can you give to people who want to complain less or who have loved ones who are always complaining and, and bringing them down? I believe we should all take responsibility for how we live our lives, how we conduct ourselves, how we cope with ups and downs. We have to find our own way, not always be led by other people. For me, every problem has a solution, and I relish the challenge of finding solutions. On coping with M&D, I decided early on never to complain about my condition. This, I felt, would create a negative mindset for me, and those around me. I've had to find loads of coping mechanisms, to help me stay strong, but in general, I find these myself, what works best for me, and not rely on others. I think everyone would benefit, by complaining less, taking responsibility, and focusing on solutions. Uh, okay, so so uh, to Dave, your your dad's um, big on don't sweat the small stuff, uh, but in business and in life, there's a need to focus on the details to get those like marginal incremental uh, gains, which sort of se separate the good from the great. So, is this a contradiction or a case of choosing to sweat the small stuff that that really matters? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'd almost argue that. Uh that that marginal one percent in business or in life is isn't small stuff you know one percent of your life or your business is pretty big um if you can improve it one percent so that wouldn't be small stuff to me um so i probably you might maybe wouldn't sweat on it but I'd focus on it um no i think i think look, with a lot of a lot of phrases like this um i guess why some people call certain things cliches i tend to think that if something is only a few words long it's probably not nuanced enough to, to live your life by but actually to be fair this is that that is a great expression um to live your life by because you know as, i guess as long as you define what the small stuff is and as long as you're good at defining that um, and you define it well um and i think if you do define well what the small stuff is and what the big stuff is and focus your energy towards that you'll be a much more kind of calm person um, and a happy person i guess so mm -hmm. i do i do really like that expression mm -hmm. so how do you navigate that and make those decisions i guess a lot of the time it's probably on on instinct um i think it's good to have a set of philosophies and and um and ways you live your life by and be very clear about your goals um and then just i guess working out what are the things on a day-to-day -day basis that that help me achieve those goals and get myself to where i want to be um and also i guess you know just because you're not getting them right now it's about not worrying if you're not getting something now i mean we've had so many setbacks um or you know we as as everyone does in 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 life and in our business we have setbacks on a, on a regular basis but um it's also about treating failure and setbacks as an opportunity rather than something that's going to you know it's a bit like what you were saying earlier um treating it as something that can help you grow and something you can kind of improve on and something actually that um will make you know the success or achieving it or whatever it is um all the sweeter when you kind of get there so um 
yeah, putting everything into perspective is obviously very important. Another little cliche, new level, <laughs> new devil. So, you know, every, every problem you, you, you solve uh, brings a little gift for you in its hands, which is a, a bigger problem. Yeah, no, that is a, a very, but again, I mean, it's, it's about perspective, isn't it? Because, um, you know, you have a setback, um, you, you, you solve it. Yes. I would say new challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, life would be boring if, if, if you attain one thing and it was complete, there'd be no satisfaction in that would there. Absolutely. So, so yes, there might be a new devil, but, um, but as long as that's uh, treated as, as as a challenge and not a stress, um, I, I think that's fine to me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sign of progress. Good. Indeed. Okay, so um, so Paul, one thing that um, um, I encourage uh, people to do when they're looking to unlock their purpose in life is to unlock their own um, uh, to unlock their purpose in life is to write their own obituary. I've written I've written mine, um, and I find that it helps to kind of metaphorically stand at the end of your um your life or even metaphorically depending on on how, how you're feeling uh stand at the end of your life and look back to really sort of challenge yourself to think about and, and then plan the difference you're going to make um in the world and i love the fact that you talk about it in terms of um life stories um in terms of uh you know life stories rather than uh, obituaries I, I i really love that so um so what should people be thinking about when they when they write their life story two things firstly write a chronological biography and throw in as much detail on things that family and friends may not have known about your life secondly and i think this is even more important write about your beliefs and philosophies what makes you tick what were your strengths and weaknesses be honest and open this will be of huge interest to future generation so um so Dave, as part of your dad's preparation for, for death is to write you something um, just for you. Have you written something for him? Shit, I'm going to have to confess. Uh, I actually haven't yet, but in all seriousness, um, it sounds like a, a really nice, um, beautiful thing to do. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I guess it's probably more appropriate in his situation in that that would probably be given to me when he dies. And if I wrote it now and waited and waited and waited, you know, he could die tomorrow, just, I guess, in the way that I could. So I guess I have been trying to say it as we go along and we do, I'd like to think we do frequently give each other little, you know, love pep talks, whatever, every now and again, you know, ping emails to each other mm. um, or message each other WhatsApp. And, uh, you know, I, I do like to think that I've been telling him a lot of the stuff that I want to say as we go along, but um maybe it'd be nice to do a, a bigger grand gesture at some point um i haven't got my christmas present yet so <laughs> maybe that'll uh maybe that'll be uh, uh what, what i do um but um yeah I, th I think it's always nice to express your your gratitude and your your love to someone um mm. and definitely something i've been doing more to my family and also my friends as well mm. um in the last few years <clears throat> yeah yeah i mean it's not something that, that that i've done either but um it's one of the things that's now I've started to do this thing on a daily basis uh, just to try to kind of do this sort of visioning bit and everything else. I'm getting into the habit of writing more. And uh, I, I did, I did realize this morning as I was kind of preparing for this interview that actually uh, if I was to die today, then all of these things that I've written down would be 
would be found. I mean, there wouldn't be a personal message to my wife, for example, or to, but it, but all these things would be found, and um, and so uh, so yeah, so saying it, writing it on a daily basis, um, I think I think it's really important because um, you know I, I look back at my um, my my grandmother who 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 passed away a couple a couple of years ago, and tried to encourage her, for example, to do things like write write down favorite recipes and all of those sorts of things and even simple things like that just to sort of carry forward and um and 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 but every now and then you find these little kind of stories and a little letter between um between we find we find letters between uh between my my granddad and my and my my grandma and all those sorts of things and they're just beautiful things to have so so yeah intentionally writing these things down and 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 leaving them for for your loved ones is um it's a, it's a great way to uh you know to a to send a message but also to 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 be remembered and paul you know in your in your book um you you talk about um the old irish saying that uh, they say you die twice one time when you stop breathing uh, and a second time a bit later on when somebody says your name for the last time and i've seen that quote attributed to quite a few people even even banksy uh, and and also raise you know ranging all the way back to the ancient egyptians so it's clearly a kind of a a, a message that res- has resonated throughout history um, what will have changed in the world for you, for you um to be satisfied and at peace uh to knowing that the name paul jameson will, will no longer have to be said that's a difficult question The easy answer is that I hope the world as we know it, is around for long enough, for my name, to be forgotten. We have many challenges to overcome, climate change, overpopulation, pollution, the nuclear war threat, to name just a few. I would dearly love to see more compassion, peace, and tolerance, in our world. (laughs) Amen to that. And and David, if there was one thing that you could change in this world, uh, what would it be? So I'm actually going to build on a little bit of what Paul's said there. And, you know, it's funny, we have similar answers kind of um, articulated in a slightly different way, because um, I would say that there is a lot of shit in the world. And obviously Paul's highlighted some of that, but it's not just about being more compassionate, but it's about seeing the beauty in the world and seeing and actually not getting so... um, you know, uh, incredibly bogged down by the, the negatives, but also seeing the positive, seeing the beauty, seeing the love in the world, um, seeing and thinking about all the progress we have made as a species, as a society. Um, there is so many challenges that we face as a society and as a species, but we're also, the, you know, the most prosperous we've ever been in history. So um, it's about perspective. And I think it's very similar to what Paul says, because I think the more of that you see in the world, the more you will give to the world. Um, so, um, yeah, d- d- difficult one to, to summarise, but um, I think a, a small perspective shift um, can go a long way. And, uh, it, well, and what you say is so true, because it, it's a choice, isn't it? And, mm. and, and we, we can all choose to see things uh, in, in, such a var- in such a variety of different ways. That was my microphone, I'll give it a bump. I'm getting excited. Uh, so uh, we can all choose to see things in a variety of of different ways, and, um, and I suppose again it comes back, Paul, to your thing about um, no complaints. 
because uh, if you choose to, to to look at the world through a complaining set of eyes, then that's all that's all you're going to see. Whereas, um, I mean, I was I was out uh, running with a friend, and uh, I started to seize up a bit, and uh, and I I, I, saw, oh, I made made that kind of noise. Um, and previously, I I made a comment about not liking complaining people, and he and he said to me, "Now, now, no complaints." And he reminded me on that run, and actually made such a difference because. I actually was out in the middle of November in the in, in the English countryside and it was beautiful and how fortunate was I to be in this beautiful countryside uh, on a warm day it wasn't chucking it down with rain or or, or freezing cold you know uh, in November and that just that being thankful actually spurred me on helped me finish the run and all that kind of stuff so it brought energy um, and vitality to that to that uh, to that moment and um and that's what you're doing so uh, i really want to thank you and thank you both for for everything that you're, you're doing it, it's amazing your work and uh, helping people to come to terms with you know that inevitability of 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 death and and bringing people together uh, to celebrate life is um is 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 such meaningful work and your passion for it I know born out of your own experience really, really comes through, but thank you so much. Uh, you've opened my eyes to, to, to so many things and, um, and, and I will, I promise be taking action to prepare myself and, and my family for, for death. Um, uh, because, um, cause yeah, it, it's so, so important. I mean, is there anything else that you'd like to add, uh, Dave, before, before I ask Paul to, to share some, uh, some info about how, how people can get in contact with you? Um, well, no, I mean, for, mainly just thank you, David. It's been um, really, 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 really enjoyed this conversation. I find talking about these topics so life-affirming life and you could have come away just feeling like it's like a bit of weight off your shoulders and, you know, it's, it's really lovely to talk about it. So thank you so much for having us on. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And, um, and yeah, th thanks, I guess, to my dad as well. Just, um, you know, it's been an amazing journey and I've loved every second of it. <laughs> Getting emotional. <laughs> uh, well, and why not? Why not? That's brilliant. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, that, that, there have been emotional moments for me on the, in this conversation. Uh, but, you know, what, what you think and, and, and what you feel is so important. And that I've just, I just, I've just loved loved speaking with you um about your work and uh like i say you, you you're gonna you're gonna help lots of people and um people need to hear what you've got to say and you know your book paul is a really enjoyable read but there's stuff in there that people need to hear you know and uh so um okay so paul over, over to you what how can people uh find out more about what you do um, support your cause and, and, and follow your work. I'm involved with many projects, many of the fundraising ones, are on the internet. I'll mention one that may be of interest to many, in the run-up to Christmas, and that's a gin, I've made, call 50 million gin, as a thank you to all those who worked so hard, to persuade the government, to pledge 50 million pounds into research, to help find a cure for MND. It's an excellent premium London dry gin. Just Google 50 million gin. Eight pounds, for every bottle sold, is donated to the M&D Association. Please, also do visit, Aura.life, a company that I hope one day will change the way we think about death, and dying, and give us a more meaningful, and better end of life. And of course, please do read my book, just search for, Very Much Alive, on Amazon. Thank you. 
Well, thanks both for coming on. Uh, I really, really appreciate you doing that. And um, and yeah, uh, we should all get behind your your campaign. Um, and um, and drinks from fifty million gin. And mm-hmm. uh, for the, for those of you that, that that do and can and and want to. Um, and uh, and yeah, uh, this is a great time of year to to, to sink a little tipple. And um, and yeah, that that website again is Aura dot life. Um, which, which again, it really is inspirational. So, um, so thanks ever so much, guys, for coming on People with Purpose, and uh, and I wish you all the best. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to People with Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe, and give us a five star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People with Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.